Welcome to Founders Without Spin with Joby Ingram Dodd. Welcome to Founders Without Spin. My name's Joby. I'm your host, and I'm super excited to have Sergio here from Cali House. How are you doing today, Sergio? Hey, Joby. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Yeah, thank you. It's a lovely, hot, sunny Californian day almost here in the UK. <laughs> Not quite. So what I thought we could start with doing is if you could give us kind of an overview or the, like the elevator picture of Cali Health and what you guys are doing. Yeah, for sure. Again, Cali Health, where our space uh, is the mental health um, realm. So what we're doing is creating a software solution that combines EHR, which is an electronic health record system, and a practice management software for counselors, therapists, psychologists, social workers, and specifically like gaming at their like the little either it could be a large or small practices that they own or work out of. Okay. So you might have to help me out a little bit because here in the UK, we have the NHS and so everything just goes through that and that's one central system for the whole country. <laughs> I know it's not quite the same over in the States. So like, how does it, how does the kind of system work broadly? Yeah, so, we're, so we're actually not as fortunate as everyone else in the world. So we have to go to through the private route and Private means like individual is their own entity. So each practice. So you'll go through your insurance, for example, to find a, a clinician, we'll call them. Um, that could be a psychologist, therapist, social uh, worker, counselor, and a psychiatrist as well. And so you look there to see, okay, who's in my network? How much does my insurance company cover? And so that's how you go about, that's like the traditional route. And there's other ways like using like Headspace or Talkspace and those, but we're aimed at the solving this traditional route that we're trying to disrupt. Okay. And, and then each of those individual practices or clinicians have records, which just remain within that practice or within that kind of whatever here yeah, practice yeah so what they do though so it's similar to going to see a doctor right like a general health doctor or medicine doctor here you go in you check in and they usually have uh, if, if you're fortunate enough they have some sort of software and that you can at least see a portal of either scheduling or seeing your notes or your information if not especially for the mental health uh, side it's it's a lot of pen and paper and it's a lot of paper documents. And so that's what we're trying to change, especially now with COVID. It's you, they realize, Hey, we're all at home. How can we access our, their information? Oh, I have to go to the office, get their file and bring them over. Right. Instead of having some sort of software where it's click one, two clicks, you're already in their profile. You're in your notes, you're in your video call, for example, and you're just there. Like you're doing the work and, and leaving all that, I would say like traditional old school way of paper behind and really focusing on what they love is talking to the individual and getting to know them and getting to help them. Yeah, it, it seems, so I have a background in tech and, and you have a background in tech and it seems like a completely like alien concept now to lots of us to think, oh yeah, we're running this very 
important and it's super important that we have the right information and what uh, you've been prescribed in the past and what treatment you've had and all that. I mean, that like making mistakes with that sort of stuff is can be life-threatening and it just seems really weird that we still and we still do it in the UK as well we still use like a pen and paper and a a physical file and we don't have some sort of centralized or at least software-driven solution where you can get it correct information super quickly and relevant information super quickly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I kept seeing and hearing. I'm lucky enough to be married to a person who works in this field and she's a counselor. And she, I would keep hearing, I would keep hearing just groans and complaints about their either solutions that they're using or what she would come across and during her classes and whatnot. And I kept hearing, and we're at that time, we were working towards the, like the general medicine way, right? Of trying to fix that, of having same type of software solution, but in that realm. And I kept hearing it. And, it's, and it, at that moment, I was like, like, you know, wow, like this seems, I, I wouldn't say a bigger urge, but it, they're farther behind in a certain way than like the general practices and that they have something already built in a way in, in the mental health space. It was a massive gap. And I, I knew by just hearing her just and listening to her coworkers, her the, the clinic, the practice she works out of, the, they're like higher ups, they're executives talking about, you know, why are we paying for Zoom, for Google, like the Hangouts or chat and all these other video conversations and tools when it's like they should have something, just pay for one thing and that yeah. one thing to have all that. And so that's why I, was, I thought it was really cool and also I'm fortunate enough to have that view into that world by way of my wife and that I can use her to be like, okay, what is this abbreviation stand for instead of Googling it? And then she's always like, you're quizzing me. You're making sure that I'm staying on top of the ball and understanding. And so it's cool. It's very fascinating. I think as a UXer, you're already thinking of psychology, right? You're already more aware about your mental state. And especially now with COVID, I would take days off or mental days, right? Wouldn't people keep chugging along at work and I would feel like I needed today. I was like, I feel like I'm getting cabin fever. Yeah, yeah so for was, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure COVID, well, globally has, I, I'm sure there's been a, a massive increase in instance of individuals needing uh, specialist mental health care in, in all its many variations and facets and probably not least the professionals that work in that sector it's like sometimes I, I think we forget that like they may be a, a health psychologist or whatever but they're also a human and they also you know suffer from the same ailments that everyone else suffers from but by providing them a solution particularly with your wife's experience I guess you could also ease their stress and allow them to be more um, efficient in treating their patients as by proxy if exactly and, and it's it's something that we as designers were we're trained to keep asking why keep asking keep digging and see really exact like where was the root of the problem so i would ask her it's just like how do you take notes do you take notes during the session or do you do it afterwards okay like how do you then remember everything yeah right? yeah yeah and then some people allow them to record their sessions and some others, they don't. And then some platforms that they use, it doesn't allow them either. So 
that just made me start thinking like, okay, Zoom, what does Zoom offer? It offers, you can transcribe, you can do pay for apps and connect it to your Zoom or to record and just listening and asking why and not getting into like the details of like her patients, but like her workflow of, okay, what do you do? How do you, you log mm-hmm. in in one place? Do you have five different passwords? Like that right there, it seems problematic yeah. in, in your workflow. And, and then asking her supervisors or her executives of, of her practice, hey, what's a better solution for you? Like in your ideal world, what would you like to see for, for your space? Like how would it make you be more efficient or be able to either save money instead of paying five subscriptions, you're just paying one. Uh, mm-hmm. But all those things like people talk and they're telling me they're talking to me and they're not, they don't realize that they're giving me little grains of information, like valuable grains of information. Yeah. That and that sparks something in me. And then I'm asking them like, Oh, you know, what, what if instead of paying for five subscriptions, you have one, right? All those five into one, what would, like, how would that make you feel and try to be more, I guess, as, as a designer, you're more empathetic. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find it really interesting that out of nowhere, like, having my wife in the space that I transitioned there just to make it like more modern and make it more accessible and uh, more efficient. I think that's the word. Like everyone needs to see someone. We may not have some sort of trauma. We have now COVID, right? We're at the beginning, we were scared. We didn't want to get sick. We didn't want to get our loved ones sick. And so you're at home and you're in your PJs the whole day. You're not going out here. I was used to going to work every day, to the metro, to the subway every day and spending an hour there, seeing people, going to work, coming back, thing. and now we're just stuck at home on the couch. Yeah, or, yeah. And so everyone needs to see someone and it doesn't, you don't, I, I don't tell people like, hey, go see a psychiatrist or a therapist, or I don't try to put them in a box, but I'm just gonna go talk to someone. And by having this software, help that those um, target audience of the doctors themselves or the clinicians be able to see more people. I think it will impact people's lives. Instead of seeing one to five people a day, maybe they can squeeze in six, seven, eight more people in a day. And that can, like you said, save someone's life and definitely ease someone's daily life or stress of, of life. Yeah, yeah. The daily grind, which some of yeah. us... <laughs> Or perhaps all of us experience at some stage, at least. Yeah. And I get, so you're able to having someone who lives with you, who can help you design a system is a very, really helpful market research. And did you say that you could also speak to some of their managers? Because I suppose some of her managers and the practice managers, because I suppose the, the other side of the software is actually, these are businesses, it's a private system and they're businesses and they're, and at the end of the day, they're looking to make a, a profit, uh, presumably. And so it has to work from that perspective. It has to be like, uh, this is a cost effective. This is this uh, from a pure business side, this makes sense kind of thing. So like, did they give you, I guess, just the fact of going from five subscriptions to one is that seems to make business sense to me, assuming your subscription isn't five times each of the other ones. But yeah, it was, it's, yeah. So we think about it like both ways, right? I, like my co-founder and I were, we talk about all these features. We talk about all the various products within this massive product in itself. And we realize that, yes, it's a business, right? And, and they, whether they um, are cutting 
costs or making it more cost efficient where you know it's not using five subscriptions using one and it does as much as those five do but also how many more people they can see in a day organizing or in a way of you know using technology to streamline their days in a way so if there's a no show okay how many no shows does this person have and then that would like ping the clinician hey this person seems to be in a lack of a better word like in danger right because they're uh, a risk of either falling off the program that they're trying to work on the treatment plan or they're not following through and or something's happening this is once in a in the blue moon what's that's okay but and so that helps them keep their their calendars more tidy keeping it neat and then seeing okay someone cancels today is there someone on my wait list that i can put in and getting that balance that out and then also here we have private insurance right the the wonderful world of private insurance private and public sectors we need to also figure out okay how are we organizing all their charge codes so each insurance company has their own basically serial numbers right right every condition or every little thing you can think of it could be like a 30 minute session and it can be like a 10 digit number and so we need to know how to streamline that and be more efficient with that i think before it's a lot of human error when we're because we're making our humans type it in as mm-hmm. opposed to either having a way to look it up or having maybe like software tell us like hey we saw that you did a 30 minute meeting or visit and then suggest to us was it a therapy session was it a were you subscribing the medicine were you setting up a treatment plan? Is there a follow-up? And doing that, kind of what I see with Google Calendar or Calendar in general, things for you. And they mm-hmm. suggest if it's an event, does it have a location? What time? Maybe do you want to leave a little bit earlier? Let me plan out your, your drive there, your walk. So having all those things where I feel like in, in the medical field in general, I'd say that's what it lacks. Lacks of thinking in that way of how to how do I bundle those things together in a way to make it easier for the office staff member to quickly set up someone's follow-up appointment and then either create a reminder or cancellation or bring on a new patient. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose that if the software is doing the bulk of that kind of efficiency scheduling and all of the whole efficiency drive, then that reduces the need to have additional office staff and additional admin staff who just doing that, which from from a business perspective is very valuable. So you mentioned you've got a co-founder. How how did you come to co-found? What, what was that kind of process? Yeah. For sure. So I actually met my co-founder. We worked together on an IT help desk sector or like jobs in, in general a few years ago. It was, I think I want to say 2014, 2015. And we both went our separate ways. He went more into the software engineering route and I went more into the design route. And it was, I don't want to say it like corny enough, but it was like fate. Uh, we kept running into each other. Right. And I kept having this problem of, I saw this, but I'm not, I, I didn't know how to build it, of course. Like I... I come from design and front-end development background, but I can put the front-end side of it, but I can't do the back-end or right, right. think about like all these algorithms or anything. I pitched the idea to him and he loved it. First, he liked the challenge, right? Of the challenge of we're disrupting this mental health space, right? Like, how do we do it? How do we approach it? How do we even sell it? Like, how do we even talk to someone about it? And he joined, I think it was a summer of last year. And we like re- finally made it official. And then we started working on it. And currently we're working on the MVP. And that's when we're 
we're really noticing how uh, we're similar in a lot of ways, but also in a lot and another other flip side of it, we were different in the way of right. the way I think I'm, I'm always planning. I'm always drawing something up and I'm labeling, I'm creating a thousand Figma files and he is buried in code and he just looks up and he's like, all right, where are we? And so we're trying to like create processes and, and that structure. But at, at the same time, we know that at this stage, it's basically build fast, build an MVP, release it, get validation, get your first sales. And then later after that phase, start creating those structures of what one team does, what the other team does, how to document, how to test and, and release. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really good and lucky to have a co-founder that you've known over time. Because uh, sometimes you can jump into bed with a co-founder uh, who you've not known for long and uh, as similar to our marriage in many ways. So you, you wouldn't probably get married after knowing someone for a, you know, a few months or a few weeks. But mm-hmm. maybe too often uh, founders jump into bed with co-founders uh, uh, with a similar sort of few-month time frame. And that can cause all sorts of issues. So having that kind of longer relationship, maybe dipping in and out helps make sure you gel that. So I think that's great. So where are where are you in this stage? So you you said you're about to, you have your MVP or are you about to get to MVP stage? Yeah. So we're about to get to MVP. We've built, I would say we're like halfway through. It, the It's just the behemoth of we're trying to cross our T's and, and dot our I's and everything to make sure that it is HIPAA compliant here in the States and it's safe and secure. And so like we're going through, we're taking a little bit longer than what we had in, I would say like in the roadmap, but we want to do it right and really do right by, by our mental health practices and anyone who trusts us with their practice management and their patient information. And we want to make sure that we do right. And, And just because it's MVP, I don't want to deliver them like, part of my language a half-ass like yeah, yeah. solution right okay here's a video chat but it only works when you click it three times and then you hit refresh I and mean, only if you're in chrome or you're in yeah, safari yeah. so i want to make sure that it's it's right and uh it's we're moving fast we're luckily we have him and doing a lot of the coding he tags me in to do a lot of the front end we should be completing mvp in the next let's say 90 days or so maybe less Okay, cool. And so where do you think you're, well, maybe, I. so would you say you're a, a put entrepreneurs into two groups? So there's what I call the purebred entrepreneur who started their first business when they were six or something and then constantly run businesses for their whole lives. <laughs> and then there's the kind of entrepreneur who is inspired by something and that drives them to create something for a solution, but they would be as happy in a corporate world. Or a, so, where do you think you're, you you fit in that uh, sort of two groups? I would say I'm more. I would say more in the first group. I've, I've been noticing that I've done a lot of things in my life where growing up, just the the business, the the, the hustle, I would say was really attracting me. That running your own business is not just you don't do it to get famous right yeah. you don't do it your intention should be to make money like yourself to be i'm going to be rich and famous and i'm going to be the next zuckerberg it shouldn't right. be that but i love so far the journey of figuring out all these 
I wouldn't say problems, but tasks. Like, how do I run this company? How do I pay for this subscription? How do I make sure that this uh, user uh, story that I've created makes sense? Or how does this code stack that we're using uh, make sense? And business-wise, what's our, how, do we, how are we going to make money? Like, how are we going to sell this? What's our pricing charts? What's, what, what are we offering? And that's the cool thing for me because I've always been growing up working at retail jobs. And luckily I was able to work at cell phone company store before it was T-Mobile back in the day and having that hustle of, okay, I'm trying to convince someone to buy a phone. And how do I convince them? They walk into the door and I already know that there is an interest to buy a phone. You want to just walk into the store and just browse. You you either subconsciously or consciously know you want a phone. And I would persuade them like, this is like feature A, B, C. Oh, wow. Look at this color. And, and really then start learning a little bit about them. Oh, do you go to school? Where do you work? And they start telling me a little bit about themselves and then trying to, okay, let me quick, let me do a quick summary of what you've just told me and then wrap the pricing of this product and then sell you, give you a, you know, a value for it. If you get this new iPhone, this will allow you to A, speak to your parents, B, work efficiently uh, using your work email, your work apps, everything. And also stake and, and do your Netflix and YouTube and everything. And this is your data plan. This is everything. And so that's how I view it with, with this business. I, I see it like I'm thinking of, okay, how do I, people think just pitching to investors. I, you're essentially pitching to every mental health practice here. You're pitching mm-hmm. your advice, your, your, your product. And you're making sure, okay, tweaking what you're saying. Because I know that they know what I'm trying to sell, but it's the way I'm delivering it. And yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm always, I think I am in that first group that having that desire of a, it could be like a salesman, but I love it. I love that hustle of going, getting after it. And, and they could say no to you today. And that helps you. Okay. What did I do wrong? Where in my delivery was it off? Okay. From the next customer, uh, prospective customer, I'm going to do it differently by changing A, B, and C and going after it. And then it's that, it's the, uh, I would say the psychology of it. it's a business. Right? It's fun and you're building something from scratch. As a designer, I love being the first to, de- to design this. And I know that once we bring other designers, they'll, they'll, they could destroy it. They could do something completely different. And I have to be, by that point, be more hands-off, but also be thinking about the greater good of the company, of, of where we're going, the direction, the business size, operations, who we need to bring on, who like all those things. And for me, that's what excites me. I think that I've had that personality since my whole life of, I can work at a corporate job. Yes, I, I don't have an issue with working at a tech company and I'm one, one of 200 design. But I think just that, that hunger that I have of doing something on my own and building it from scratch and being able to sell it and being like, it's like rewarding for yourself to be like, I, it's a validation to yourself. If, if I can, I'm young and so far I don't have kids. So it's, you can take that risk and yeah, yeah. it could be like a year or two of your life. But if it fails, you at least went like, okay, I tried. It didn't work, but where, what did I learn? And if it succeeds, you're just, I'm glad. I would be saying, I'm glad I took the risk when I did. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And how do you think, give it a, a few years, you've got some revenue, got a, a growing team. And like you said, your role is more big picture. How do you think your 
how do you think you'll handle the fact that now someone else is doing the design and they're doing stuff which maybe you wouldn't not that you don't agree with but you wouldn't have that's not your design how and that's always a difficult transition for uh, founders or companies yeah definitely yeah i've luckily had friends who've created their own uh, businesses their own applications and i think with i've had experiences with engineers like they would get upset if someone touched their let's say primary bit color right so if it's like a blue don't touch my blue i, I don't want you to touch my shade of blue but for me i see it as it's i've always been with anything i have to do with design anyways like it's, I'm not attached to it. I'm not, I don't see of it. I don't look at it like it's mine. It's my problem. I'm not possessive over it. I see it as art, right? Like I created this version. Someone comes in and they create a second version. Mm-hmm. Whether, and for me, whether it's colors or the way the structure is or these screens, I think of it as, okay, I laid the, the ground rule, how all these flows are supposed to be. You know, how does someone go to log in? How does someone... Uh, go to someone's uh, user profile. Like how I created that and I create those in a way instruction manual and how to approach it. But after that, I give you full reign of your interpretation of it. And as long as it meets our business goals and it meets our users' goals as well, I'm fine with it. I'm okay. And I think that's, it's taken uh, years for me to be like more hands-off with my designs. Once I hand it over and someone engineers build it and it could be completely different or they tweak it for a better cause. I understand, okay, I'm more empathetic with that than opposed to being possessive. And I think that's, it's good for me as a founder to, to be like that and recognize that early on, because I know that other founders of, of mine, they learned it late in the game. And so they will be hampering their products version one, two, three, when they could have just acknowledged that and, and been less possessive and the product would have been thriving even more in those stages. Yeah, stage. I think if you're at least thinking about it, that's a, that's a big step, like to anticipate this may be something that's going to come up and to have it just rattling around in your subconscious processing in there somewhere. And that's just, I think that's just a uh, really useful thing to have thought about at least we're approaching or maybe slightly over time but we're i've got a couple last questions so are you raising or have you bootstrapped everything or have you had investment so far or how has that worked yeah so we have bootstrapped it up to this point we're currently raising our pre-seed round we're looking for half a million just to continue a bring on some more engineers and also to help us with some operational costs like all these subscriptions and everything cloud-based it does require some more resources at that especially horror software it's a cloud-based okay and so the last sort of question before before we finish so i'm asking all my uh, guests for three recommendations so a podcast, a book, and a TV show. It doesn't need to be necessarily business or anything, something that's maybe motivated you or inspired you or just has been entertaining, but something you think uh, uh, the listeners might be up for. Yeah, I've been listening to this podcast, uh, gosh, I don't know, since, let's say, 2018, I would say 2017. It's called Design Details. It's just two designers talking about the design world and anything 
in between. They could be the new Apple event. They can talk about products, physical products, or they could talk about digital products. So any updates on any software, it's, it's really it's really fascinating just to hear other people's perspective on the design world. And these individuals are based out of the West Coast here in the States. And so it's cool to hear their perspective. And then they work at tech companies and they're both like entrepreneurs as well as hearing their entrepreneurs hats while working at these massive tech companies. You get, okay, you, you're not just looking at it as another designer. You're looking at it as a, a business owner, right? Like, why would I put this button here? And what's another podcast? Just because I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I should probably read more, but I, my attention span is not there. Another podcast is Front End Happy Hour. It's another, like I would say, tech-focused um, podcast, but it's in the engineering side. So it's usually six people, the round table before they used to hang out in one room and really talk about tech. And what I love about them is that they call each other out in a sense of Silicon Valley, San Francisco, the West Coast area where tech lives. It's like a bubble and they make fun of themselves. They joke about buying a hundred dollar toothbrush and those sort of things. And then you get the other side of it where they're talking about inclus um, inclusion and diversity and really talking about the human skills of what makes a good manager, right? What makes the a company run? Is it documentation? Is it creating these processes? They, they go into anything and everything. And so for me, I've always been listening to them and be hearing, okay, what, what works, what doesn't work and applying it to my daily job. And now having a company, it's, I've listened to a lot of what they said, right? Documentation, testing, creating these structures, at least introducing them. So later on, employee one, two, three, four, five can understand where my co-founder and I's minds were at that time to create. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I think there's one more I would like to say before we head off. And this time it's a book, I promise. Um, <laughs> it's... It's by this engineer that works at that uh, that works at um, Spotify, and I absolutely love 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 uh, her book, and it's definitely helped me uh, recently when I had to do a, an interview for my one of my roles, and it's called "Decoding the Technical Interview Process." Okay, and by Boston. And, and this is just both just to help anyone who's trying to get into the, the tech field, but also the specifically the engineering field and, and anything technical, like technically related to that and having them give them at least some sort of tips. And, and I think people think of interviews and they get nervous getting, you know, clammy hands just thinking about an interview session, but having yeah. engineers, right? Engineers are early, like people in their early careers, early stages of their careers, manage that better and understand it's not that scary it's just a conversation yeah yeah and tech interviews or tech tests are so like at least in my experience they so far exceed what you actually end up doing in the job that it like it's i find them hugely frustrating as a process like let's if you go if we're going to have tests let's have them match what your role will actually be you know it's like exactly. do this incredibly complex algorithm and then okay now you're at the job can you just move this button across three it's like <laughs> it's like you exactly know. yeah um, I've, heard, I've had like my fair shares of of horror stories when i would do the test and, and i'm standing there looking at it like what 
is this what I'm actually doing in at work? And then later on, I'll, it's either a no or a yes. And you speak to an engineer and they're like, no, you're, you're just working on that component of this button. Like you said, like this component library, that's it. That's, but I, why did I just solve search? Yeah. Why did I just, what just happened here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Okay, cool. And where can people find out or follow what you're up to at your Twitter or your LinkedIn or, or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. So Twitter, it's at Cali Health. If it's for me, it's at the real Sergio 91 LinkedIn, same thing, Cali Health, or go to our website, calihealth.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, really cool. And yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Yuri.